well, I'm just going to dive right in and um, tell you a little bit about me. Um, I'm a mum, uh, and like John and Katie said, I work at Curate College. I've got four children, uh, Lawson, who is 15, um, Amani, 18, Nicole, 19, and my son Carter, who's just turned 21. And um, as, a, as a kid, um, I was brought up in a Christian home. My parents were pastors or ministers in a church, and so basically that was our life, the church. Uh, we would go every Sunday um, for two, two gatherings, and often at night I'd bring my sleeping bag and sleep underneath the chairs. Um, it, was, um, it was a great time. I, I had a great upbringing. Uh, we, my brother and sister and I, when we um, were playing at home, we used to have church services, and uh, my brother would be the pastor, and um, my sister and I would be the one that put my hand up and responded to the older call. And my sister, she would be um, the catcher. Now, if you don't know what a catcher is, <laughs> um, during that time there was a real um, move of God, and often people would be um, praying in church for people, and people just fall over backwards. And so they had these people called catchers that would catch them. So I'd throw myself back, and my sister would catch me and lay me on the floor. And um, we also used to do baptisms in our pool. Um, you know, like there would be one person, I baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and go back. And then often it would end up, we'd end up swimming, put them around underneath and coming up. But um, it, needless to say, the, the church was fully embedded. Uh, we used to listen to Larry Norman. I don't know, some of you won't know him. He used to have some radical songs. Um, yeah, I can still remember some of the title. The beginning of one was Sipping Whiskey from a Paper Cup, Drown Your Sorrows Till You Can't Stand Up. Take a look at what you've done to yourself. Why don't you put, put the bottle back on the shelf? And we went through, and then the, the catch line was, why don't you look into Jesus? He's got the answer. Um, my, my parents, they absolutely loved God, and they loved me. And... Um, I always had that sense of belonging. Didn't not matter um, what church we went to or what, what um, situation, bonfires, where all the church would be. Um, I always had that sense of belonging. Um, when we went to Taranaki, my dad got um, called to pastor a small church in Hawara. And um, I can remember that first Sunday we turned up. Everything was purple. There were purple curtains and purple hydrangeas. And... Um, <laughs> we were half the church. There were five people there, and we were the other five. And I can remember thinking, where are all the people? Um, that actually changed over time, and um, God just really moved, and um, the church grew, which was really exciting. And um, I was just thinking for all of us, there's been a different journey as to what has shaped our relationship with God or when our spiritual journey has begun. And I, often over the years, I've asked people like, when did you kind of sense that? And, and for some people, you know, they've been brought up in a family of faith. And so that just was the anchor for their souls. And even though they might have gone away for a while, they've, you know, they've come back to it. Um, a lot of people I spoke to said that while they wouldn't have put the name God there, they used to talk to God and, and tell him things and ask for things, that there was just that natural childlike, oh, I'm just going to ask 
for that. I don't know who I'm asking to, um, but that, that, that was there. Um, further, is, it's crisis. Um, we, they start asking those two questions, you know, like, why am I here and who am I? Um, and sometimes it's like an, a weird experience. You know, something spiritual happens, either that is really horrible or um, that is really like, wow. Um, and um, when this happens, um, it's like we um, have to change from a, a physical world where we think we see to like the spiritual world. And um, the best way I can describe it was um, when my son Lawson um, was seven, he went completely blind. And um, during that time, it was kind of a transition time, he had to learn a completely new way of interacting with this world. Um, he really had to rely on his hearing, obviously. Uh, he had to learn Braille, so um, he had to, um, the fine motor skills, and he had to start to feel those tiny little bumps, and believe you me, they are tiny. I, I still can't feel them to this day when I close my eyes. It's like it's only because I've seen them, I know they're there. Um, and um, probably one of the most challenging things was he had to learn to have faith in the people that were guiding him and the people that were um, telling him what he was encountering. And um, that's what faith is. It's like the bridge between the seen and the unseen. And um, that's what happens when we start this journey of understanding and knowing who God is. I mean, the idea of like, three and one alone, that, that's pretty out, out there, isn't it? Like three, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Father God. Like, wow, there's a lot to know there. Um, and God has chosen to reveal himself in many ways. And in fact, this, in the stories of the Bible, um, there, are, there are many, many stories where people encounter God and he reveals himself to them. And sometimes it's really interesting. It's like the still small voice. And um, I, I can remember talking to a guy, he used to come here to our church, his name was George. And um, he was telling me his testimony and how he um, encountered God. He had been brought up in a Christian home, um, decided to turn, his, um, turn away from that. Thankfully, he had a praying mum. Go all you praying mums out there. And... Um, he said he was in this, I think he was in a nightclub, just partying it up. And God all of a sudden just said to him, George, you know better than this. And that was it. He knew what he was doing was wrong. He knew that he needed to get right with God. And he just, he went back to faith. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was God, I don't know whether that's what I would say. Like if I, you know, like, and that is what I hear time and time again, that still small voice. It might be that they just hear the words, I love you. And all of a sudden they know. And they're trying to tell you about it and you can see this huge transformation has taken place in one word. Um, I can remember not so long ago, there was a guy up here, I think, sharing his testimony. He said, and God said, to go to church. Just like that. So there's that still, small voice. And he comes in visions and pictures. He'll drop a picture into your head or a, a metaphor or whatever you are doing. Like, I, I really believe that he can talk through anything. Um, if you're into mass or quantum physics, like, amazing how God can speak through that. 
um, testimonies, conversations, and of course, he ultimately physically revealed himself in the, in the, in the person of Jesus Christ. And um, as we encounter God, we often find we get a new name for him. And um, last week, uh, two weeks ago, Joel talked and looked at the Psalm 23. And David had had counted God, and he gave him a name, his shepherd. And I think there is something amazing when we give God the names that he deserves, that we acknowledge that he has revealed part of himself to us. Names speak to identity, and they're born out of relationship. Um, you only have to think of the name Karen to know the importance of like a name. And interestingly enough, the word Karen means pure. So I, I just, it actually breaks my heart every time I hear someone use that because I think it doesn't just speak honour to those that do have the name Karen. So if you're a Karen out there, just, you know, like God sees, sees your heart and... Um, you, you live into that name of pure. <laughs> um, so Yahweh Ra, that is the Lord is my shepherd. And when Moses encountered God in the burning bush, um, he had just been commissioned and was told that he was going to help the Israelites escape from slavery and he was gonna have to go and talk to Pharaoh. And um, he was about to, he was having a conversation with God and then he asked him a question. And he says, who shall I say sent me? And that simple act, that simple moment of asking God a question revealed to Moses and ultimately all of us the name of God. And I just wanna take a pause there and ask you, what questions are you asking God? You know, when we were kids, isn't that what part of what we did all the time was ask questions? You know, you talk to any parents and they say, I'm in the why phase. And, and, and part of that, the word says that we're to come as little children. And there's this beautiful aspect of asking questions. And if you've been asking a question for a long time and you haven't got an answer, then maybe it's time to start asking a different question. Maybe there's something else that God wants to reveal to you. And, and in that, God's response to Moses, he said to Moses, I am who I am. This is in Exodus 3, 14. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also told Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, and that's in capital letters, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is how I am to be remembered in every generation. Now, obviously, with translation, it was actually a Hebrew word from which we get the word Yahweh, but the idea it is of the one who is and who is yet to come. It's this beautiful sense that his existence doesn't depend on anyone or anything. He is God. And um, if you want to look more into this, um, Tim Mackey and the Bible Project, uh, I really encourage you, just look up the names of God. And um, there was a, a, the, when it got changed to the English, it got changed to this word, Lord. And you, often you'll see it in your Bibles, and it's in capital letters, because then it's not the same as the word Lord that we apply to people, like as a master. 
it stands alone. It's a word I am only can be attributed to God, who he is, what he is doing, and his magnificence. And um, this same word is used at the beginning of Psalm 139. Um, and we're just going to turn there today, and I am going to read you um, this scripture. And I love this scripture. It is a long one, so if you've got your Bible, you can read along with me. Um, I'm reading out of the NIV. I did a different translation this morning, which meant it wasn't the same up there. Um, and if you haven't got your Bible, just can I encourage you just to close your eyes and just allow God's words to just penetrate you, um, just the, the psalmist's words, just to hear what he has seen of God, what he knows to be true of God. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know where I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. I love that line. I often think that when we're with friends that we've known for years or even watching our children, we can often um, know what they're going to say next, you know? And or like you have those in-house jokes and sometimes we can even know what our partner or what a good friend is thinking because we've spent time with them and we've been in, in their presence. He knows us. He knows before we're even going to say what we're going to say. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even in the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully, wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Just want you to pause on that one because... Our, our, who we are and who we're designed to be is wonderful. I know that full well. Do you know that full well? My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me, are your thoughts, O oh God, how vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. That's a lot of thoughts. When I awake, I am still with you. And then we often move into that part we want to miss. This has actually got some beautiful life in it if you take the time to study it. But if you would slay the wicked, O oh God, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
that is a great scripture to meditate on. Um, It's great in reminding us who we are. And um, I can't do the psalm justice, but I am just going to pull out a few of the verses that have come alive to me um, where God has revealed himself um, to me through different situations as I've faced them in my life. And that first verse, Lord, you have searched me and know me. There was, there was something in the heart of David that just knew that God was all-present, all-powerful. He was always there and knew him int- intimately. And, you know, that can either freak you out <laughs> or it can give you a huge amount of reassurance. Um, when my son Lawson was um, nine months, um, that was when he was, um, we were told that he was legally blind. Uh, legally blind, um, when you refer to that, it doesn't mean necessarily mean completely blind. It pretty much means that you can't see that top letter um, when you go to the optometrist. And so um, we were pretty sure he was um, seeing a little bit because he would follow our fingers. And, but it really was a time of the unknown. And during this time, as we told people and kind of talked about it, um, a key phrase that people would say to us was, well, who knows what's going to happen? You know, who knows? They might be able to fix it. Who knows? Who knows? And um, for me at that time, I I was just full of turmoil. You know, I was imagining, like as all parents would do, just how hard his life was going to be, how... um, just how difficult, what it meant for all of us as a family, like just lots of questions like what are we going to do, like how, how will we do this, like, um, and there was a lot of fear and I can remember I was in the dining room in our um, house and one day it just came, became too much for me, I was just overwhelmed with it and I just cried out to God, I remember I fell to my knees and said, God, you have to give me a word to be able to help me through this. And um, my Bible was open on the table, and so I went and did a pick and mix, you know, the whole, I'll just open it up and see. And I think that's what the God does, isn't he? He is incredibly gracious, and um, in those times, that can sometimes work. And um, it fell open uh, to the story of David, when he was, um, he'd committed adultery with Bathsheba and she was pregnant and she had the child and then the child was really sick. And I was just reading the story and then these word jumped, words jumped out at me and it was the words, he goes, who knows, maybe God will be gracious. And that word, the still small voice of God just came in an instant. It was just like a download and he, he just said to me, I know, Sharon. I know everything about this situation. I know your son, Lawson. I know you. I know everything. And you can trust the one who knows. And the, the weight that lifted off my shoulders in that moment, while I didn't understand what was going on, and that's often the case for us, um, it, was, it was perplexing. I could trust the one who knows. And then every time after that, somebody used that phrase. And even now when someone says, who knows? Instantly in my head, I think God knows and he's got it under control. He's the God who knows. 
Um, Hagar, in Genesis 16, she was a woman who was running away, having an incredibly hard time um, in life, and she cried out to the Lord. And um, she gave God the name, the God who sees. The God who sees. Who who saw her in her moment of need. And um, that's what we need to do. There will be Times and places and situations, mundane, boring, crisis, highs, lows, where God has spoken to you, give him a name. Give him a name to remind you of those times. Um, The next verse I'd like to look at is Psalm 139. It says, you hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. And... um, this was a long time ago. I can't remember the details. I think as I get older, I just, I don't know what's happening there. But um, <laughs> anyway, I, I think I was meditating on that, that, that line, you hem me in behind and before. And um, as quick as anything, and I just like, I know that this is, some people would go, oh, isn't this just you thinking in your head? Like, thinking takes a long time to get there. This just comes like in a download. Like, it's just like in an instant. And so if you're one of those people who's going, oh, I don't know whether that's God or not, there's a few characteristics about how God speaks. And and sometimes that's one of them. It just comes in a quick download. Anyway, I was thinking about this, and it related to um, what I do for my son, Lawson. So... By this time, Lawson had completely lost all his sight. And um, as a mum, I'll often go round our house, um, either opening doors right up or closing them shut because doors are a real nuisance. When they're on an angle, they're super easy to to bang into. And so I'd go around opening doors. I would, I mean, my kids just leave their stuff everywhere. So I just got into this habit of like moving things out of pathways. And then, of course, um, because um, Lawson can't see, there's a whole lot of mess, too, that sometimes gets left behind. Oh, excuse me. Um, Toothpaste. Um, It is really hard to put toothpaste on a toothbrush. Next time you're brushing your teeth, give it a go. And, like, so there is often toothpaste in the most unusual places in our house. Um, toothpaste um, and, and wheat bix. It is really hard to crush up wheat bix into a bowl and not get any wheat bix on the bench. And so I would go behind him and just, you know, clean up these messes. And you know what? Most of the time he does not know I am doing that. And God in an instant said to me, that's what I do for you. He is the God that hems me in before and behind And there is a huge amount to get from that. And I just encourage you to see that and ask God to reveal more of himself to you in that. And the amazing thing is, why why do I go around doing all those things? Because I love him. He's my son. And and that's something that you you must grasp and get sight of. We are his children. Do you notice through Scripture, he always calls the, the, the people of Israel, he calls them his children. We are his children, and the word says to come as little children to him. And if we're his children, doesn't that mean we're his sons and daughters? 
and the whole aspect of what it means to be a father and a mother just reveals more of who he is. Down in verse 10, it then goes to say, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. As Lawson learnt to navigate this world, and he really does walk by faith every day, um, I became like his guide. Um, and so we would, like, most times when we go anywhere, he'll just latch hold of my arm, and, like, off we go. We don't even think about it now. Um, when you watch him with his friends, they will do the same. I'll just lift out their arms, and there's a moment where he has to grab it, and then they're away. And... Um, this scripture here speaks to me of the Holy Spirit and how he guides us just like a guide every day. Now, when I'm guiding Lawson, I am not telling him what's coming up in 20 metres, right? I'm not saying, oh, in five minutes, five metres there's going to be this and then in 10 metres is this going to happen. And then like, that would just freak him out and complicate things. We just do it step by step. And that's what the Holy Spirit does he leads us step by step, and there's a sense of him guiding us. When I come up now to um, like to go up, up a step or down the gutter, Lawson can just sense that that is coming. And what has amazed me over time is he trusts me so much now that that time is a real time where I bond with him and we talk about everything. <laughs> and I am doing the seeing for him. And... We have to learn to listen to that small voice. We have to learn to listen to the check. You know, when I talk about the check, it's the check that comes in our spirit when, I don't know, we're having a conversation with somebody and um, we hear that little, don't say that. You know, you're just about to tell them about somebody who's just done this or they did that and you go to say it. Maybe it's gossip and there's that little check. Oh, don't say that. The more you listen to that, the more you will hear the Holy Spirit. If you keep riding over that, it just gets buried beneath things. Another thing that will help you is if you are rushing, and I basically rushed. My mum said when I was young, and she said, I was born in a rush and I've been in a rush ever since. And she stopped speaking that over in my life. But when you are rushing, you often miss that first little voice, that still small voice that speaks to you. And so I encourage you, if you've got that rush thing, rush is different from busy. Rush is just that constant thing, oh, I need to get through this, I need to get this done, I need to get this done, I need to get this done. Some of us, and this was a quote I read, I thought it, some of us are enclosed in the fortress of self-sufficiency we will not humbly acknowledge our dependence of God and have turned self-reliance into the law of our lives. Now, if Lawson turned around one day and said to me, Mum, you know what, I'm own good. I don't want to, you to guide me anymore. I'm, I'm just going to get round with my cane and we're going to be sweet. He would soon be in a lot of trouble. We would say, like, that, that's just ludicrous. But isn't that what we do every time maybe we come on crisis and we go, oh, I don't know about this God thing. I can't understand them. This isn't working out. And so we think, oh, I'll just, I'll just go look into something else. I'll just ignore that. 
we would say, that is crazy, Lawson. You, you can't see, you, you need help. And that's why the scriptures said, apart from him, we can do nothing, that we've got to abide in the vine. Um, and there's a beautiful relaxation in that when we're trusting in our heavenly Father. Tim Mackey, the narrator on the Bible Project, I've been looking at the Bible Project lately, uh, says, the God of the Bible isn't a being that you understand. The point is to know and be known by God so that we can participate in his love. You know, God can be perplexing. Of course, he's God. There's a beautiful scripture, 2 Corinthians 4. Um, I can't remember, I think it's Paul is talking about um, all his hardships, all the things that he's had to go through. And then he, he does all these parallels. And one of the things he says, we are perplexed, but not in despair. We can be perplexed, just be careful that it doesn't lead to despair. And how doesn't move to that? When we believe in the promises of God and we remember his names. Remember those things that he has done for you. And that is an act of worship. I tell you what, the, I don't know the amount of times that I have thanked God for him revealing himself to me because I wouldn't have made it. I'm pretty sure I would have gone nuts or just gone so low in depression that I wouldn't have been able to enjoy my life. And yet he has been my daily bread the sustenance for today. That's why this, this word, his word is so important. It's the light to our steps. Just like the Holy Spirit, just like me leading Lawson, it gives light, it helps him to see. He might be seeing differently, but he's seeing and he's journeying and he's moving. And then he can do things that, I, that seem impossible, like he wakeboards. He's ridden a bike down the street. I don't know about that one. He can go on a hoverboard. There, there is freedom within that. I am nearly out of time. Well, I think I am out of time. I'm on the minus. <laughs> I'm on the minus. But I just want to finish off with these thoughts. The more God reveals himself to us, the more we find our place, ourselves in a place of even if and so that. There is a story in the Bible of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, two courageous men who said that they weren't gonna bow down to an idol. And um, the, the king was obviously perplexed by this because if they didn't bow down, they were gonna be burnt in a, in a furnace. So they were gonna lose their lives. And he, and he was questioning them about it. And it, the, this is what they said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If the God whom we serve exists, then he is able to deliver us from the blazing, fiery furnace and from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden statue you have set up. The more God reveals himself to you, the more you have that solid, firm, even if, 
you position your heart now because we're all gonna face tough things in this life. We are gonna face hard things. It's just the nature of life, isn't it? If you position your heart now that even if, even when I don't understand, even if it looks like the odds are against me, I will worship God. I will acknowledge Him and remember His name and who He is. That will, that will hold you and He will hold you too. Remember, He will hold you too. He'll be the anchor for your soul. And then the other flip side of that is the so that. Have a look, like search up wherever you do your searching and just search up in the Bible how many times it says so that. So that Yahweh will be known or that our Lord will be known. So that we will no longer be slaves to sin. Don't know about you, but I love that one. So that we will have life in all its fullness. So that we will be changed from glory to glory. So that we may know the Father. So that we would be brought to complete unity. So that people would know that they are loved. So that the world may see and believe. Even if and so that.